Wednesday, the 17th of January. Let's begin on this feast of St. Anthony the Abbot by praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you called St. Anthony to abandon home and heritage to follow your word. Grant us the wisdom to seek first the kingdom of God and trust that all else will be given us besides. You called St. Anthony to wrestle with the choice of good over evil. Grant us the courage to persevere in keeping your word. You called St. Anthony to lead others to holiness. Grant us the faith to live as beacons of light for others. Lord God of wilderness and city, you call men and women in every age to follow in the footsteps of your Son. Keep all disciples faithful to the gospel and the walk of life to which you have appointed them. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Anthony of the desert, pray for us. Some of you all know him as St. Anthony the Abbot. He goes by a few names, but uh, they're all Anthony-related. He is a hermit with a big, pretty interesting story, and we'll talk more about that as the morning continues. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed that you can check out. It's up and running in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com in case you want to peek in on what's going on on YouTube or Facebook Live. Up this hour, uh, we're also going to check in with Dr. John Bergsma, who's been going through Love Basics for Catholics. Dr. Jared Stout along as well. Gary Zimak has some wisdom from the book of Exodus for any of us who are struggling with frustrations and anxiety. And then, uh, as promised, we will talk more at the end of the hour with Dr. Matthew Bunsen about St. Anthony of the Desert. So, please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The central U.S. is bracing for more bitter cold. The National Weather Service says another Arctic cold front will be plunging into the United States starting today and could bring more record-setting cold temperatures. Forecasters say the polar plunge could extend as far south as the Florida panhandle, with lows dipping into the 20s and even teens in some places. Wind chill temperatures could drop below zero in some parts of the south. It's expected that the cold front could also bring more snow to cities from St. Louis to Boston. Pope Francis has changed the rules on procurement and extraordinary expenses of dicasteries. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. Pope Francis' new measures aim to improve the way Vatican offices, known as dicasteries, manage their expenditures and the way they assign contracts to outside companies. The Pope's interventions on the subject took the form of two letters issued motu proprio, or on his own impulse. In the first letter, the Pope specifies how Vatican dicasteries are to manage their expenditures. He says that every Vatican entity is required to request the approval of the Secretariat for the Economy when an act of expenditure exceeds 2% of its total yearly costs. Approval, however, is not required for any transaction whose value is less than €1,500. With the second letter, which also takes the form of a motu proprio, the Pope intervenes to further clarify the regulations governing how the Vatican hands out contracts for goods and services. 
Here too, the Pope emphasizes transparency, control and competition in the procedures for the awarding of contracts. The Pope says that the observations of institutions linked to the Holy See, as well as the experience the Vatican has accrued in recent years, were crucial in making this decision. And Pope Francis says that all decisions regarding contracts must be made in conformity with the social doctrine of the Church and with the encyclical letter Laudato Si on care for the environment. Today's announcements are the latest in a long series of papal financial reforms. In December, defendants in a financial crimes trial in the Vatican were sentenced to a total of 37 years in prison. I'm Joseph Tollock. The Supreme Court is declining to hear a case about an Indiana high school's bathroom policies. A lower court had ruled students are allowed to use restrooms according to their so-called gender identity. The Indiana school district had appealed the ruling. A number of lawsuits across the country have been filed by students identifying as transgender against school districts' bathroom policies. The students argue that the policies restricting their access to bathrooms assigned with their gender identity violate the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause and Title IX. A bill to preserve abortion rights into the French Constitution is advancing with a debate in the National Assembly's Law Committee. In Paris, Tony Waterman says the government is hoping to adopt the text by early March. Is terminating a pregnancy a right or a freedom? That's what lawmakers in France are trying to figure out. The latest version of the constitutional abortion bill calls it a guaranteed freedom, a blending of the two ideas. Women in France have had the legal right to an abortion for 50 years, but the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the U.S. has spurred the desire for greater protections. Tony Waterman. Paris. Health officials are warning that people who traveled through Dulles International Airport and Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport might have been exposed to measles. A traveler with a confirmed case of measles was at Dulles Airport's main terminal on January 3rd, and then on January 4th, that traveler was at Ronald Reagan. Officials say anyone who traveled through the airport should be on alert for any symptoms until January 25th. And Dusty Baker is returning to the Bay Area. USA Today reporting that the legendary former manager is joining the San Francisco Giants for a third stint with the team as a special assistant in the front office. The 74-year-old Baker managed the Giants from 1993 to 2002 before working as an advisor in 2018 and 2019. He retired from the Houston Astros following the 2023 season. Uh, something told me that he couldn't stay away. He from couldn't baseball stay away from long. baseball. <laughs> not even, not even an off. I always season. wonder when they say that somebody is in the quote unquote front office of an organization. Like, what are they really doing? Um, are they like consulting, or they just want to hang around and they get like an honorary position? Is it just like somebody that you keep around? and You're like, you know what? Uh, we need some consulting, but we don't hi- want to hire somebody outside. You know? Right, right. I feel like. You know, I see it with the Cincinnati Reds, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the team that I grew up, and I'm like, you know, so and so is involved with the front office, and they like, you know, help out with minor league stuff. And I'm like, do they just send them down to the minors every once in a while to like help young guys and be like, hey, yeah. I played for forever. Let me give you some advice. Let me give you some swinging advice, or or just some like, advice, life or... advice about oh, life advice, the baseball hmm. life. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I You're don't know. In a slump. Let me give you some like, you know. Some things that Maybe I tried to get out of a Dusty slump. Baker will be consulting I on nachos three nights for scouting you know. or something. I don't know. It could be scouting. I don't know. I don't know.
front office is a very broad, seems very broad category. As a revered colleague likes to say, we, we shall, shall see. see. Today is Wednesday, January the 17th, the Feast of St. Anthony the Abbot, St. Anthony of the Desert. More on him with Dr. Matthew Munson a little later this hour. Right now, it's 8 past. Dr. John Bergsma back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics from Ave Maria Press. Dr. Bergsma, it's good to have you back. Absolutely, Anna. So uh, we are going to be talking about St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians today. And you mentioned in the book that this letter is is more universal, so to speak. Can you explain? Sure. Not all of our ancient copies say to the Ephesians. It Hmm. seems like a kind of uh, Pauline uh, encyclical Hmm. uh, that was sent around to all the churches that he had pastoral care for, uh, for them to read and consider. So it's kind of general, not a whole lot of uh, specific local detail like you get in Corinthians, which has just been mentioned, but um, uh, very general. And, and as that, it is a kind of uh, statement of Christian faith and life that is very generally applicable. All right. So now as it pertains to love basics— in Ephesians. Tell us about the theme of marriage that we get in this letter. Yes, it really runs through the letter, not restricted just to chapter 5, where we get that specific application to husbands and wives, but there is a kind of uh, marriage of Christ with humanity that runs through the book. Um, where God has joined himself to the human race in a body and a temple. And St. Paul mixes those images of temple and body together, uh, and that's all based off of Christ's body, which is the temple. As we think about Gospel of John 2.21, he spoke of the temple of his body. Mm. But then there's also uh, a marriage of Jew and Gentile, and that comes up um multiple times in Ephesians as well, where the people of God have been united to the nations, the the Gentiles, in one body, which is the Church. And so the Church is a kind of wedding of Jew and Gentile as one people of God. So we see this theme is operating on multiple levels as we move through the book. Sure. Okay, so let's talk about the first level for uh, the rest of our time together today. I'm going to read from his uh, first chapter, uh, verses, let's see, 22 and 23 is what you quote in the book. And it says, And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Unpack that for us. Sure. That's a uh, beautiful statement by St. Paul. Um Let's think of the implications of that. Um, St. Paul is saying Jesus is head over all things for the sake of his body, which is the Church. And usually we imagine that, we think, oh, Jesus is head above all things. So we, you know, so we see, like, you know, the cosmos, and then we see Jesus, you know, King of the Universe, way up there. And then we usually place ourselves way down, you know, in the lower realms of reality. 
but you know, look at it again. He says we are his body. So if he is up there reigning over all things, then we are on the throne with him because we're mm. his body. And so this is really quite profound, and we can't like plumb the depths of it in just a few minutes. But it points to the reality that, uh, as one spiritual writer put it, as Christians, we fight from victory, not to victory. Uh, we have been given the victory in Christ. We have authority in Christ over uh, the spiritual realms, especially over in, you know evil spirits and over the devil. Okay, we have authority over them in Christ, and we don't need to be pawns of evil. We don't need to, you know, we can't say the devil made me do it. No, the devil did not make you do it, because in Christ you have authority over the devil to drive him out of your life. And so um, let's exercise faith that Christ has given us the victory, and when we claim that by faith and apply it in daily living, we can live a victorious Christian life. Yeah, it's really incredible when you think about his body being up up there, so to speak, as you say, um, in the ascension, like he united humanity with divinity. And you go on to talk about Ephesians chapter four and in in the where he he discusses the unity in the body of Christ and and talking about how he ascended. And then he goes on to say that he hopes that this will build up the body of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. There's a lot of body imagery going on here. There sure is. You know, and, and St. Paul is saying, look, every one of us has been given gifts and a unique vocation. And when we lean into what we've been called to do in the church and cooperate with one another, um, you know, the, the sum is more than the parts. We really do get like, a, you know, forgive the expression, but like a harmonic convergence when when all of us are living our vocations well and cooperating within the body of the church. And so a lot of the challenge of being the body of Christ, being, you know, a local congregation, uh, being a worldwide church is is helping everyone to realize, hey, each one of us has a role to play. Um, it's not just the clergy. It's not like we pay Father, you know, to do all the work of the church. Every one of us has been giving gifts um, for the local congregation as well as the worldwide body of Christ. And when we place those gifts at the disposal of Christ, um, you know, this bodily growth uh, takes place, and, and we see the fruits in virtue and in evangelization. All right, we'll leave it there for now. We've been talking to Dr. John Bergsma. The book is called Love Basics for Catholics. It's from Ave Maria Press, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bergsma, really appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Talk to you next week. I look forward to it. All right, let's take a look at weather across the nation now. The weather quiets down for the southern tier and for most of the east, but parts of the west will be experiencing 
a one-two punch of winter weather today. Expect mainly rain across western Washington, western Oregon, the northern two-thirds of California throughout the day, though some freezing rain cannot be ruled out. From the Cascades into the Sierra Nevada, there will be mainly moderate to heavy snow. Some freezing rain could mix in at times. The interior northwest and Great Basin will likely see a wintry mix of snow, sleet, freezing rain, and rain, while the northern and central Rockies will see light to moderate snow. There could be a few flurries or light snow showers across the northern and central high plains this evening. Light snow showers are expected across the Great Lakes and upper Midwest. You can expect dry weather for the southern half of the U.S. from California and the southwest into the southeast. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Communities in Southern California gather to celebrate the beauty and dignity of every human life. EWTN takes you to San Francisco for live coverage of the Walk for Life West Coast, Saturday, January 20th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Then, don't miss inspiring speakers and music during One Life LA at 5 p.m. Eastern. The pro-life festivities begin Saturday, January 20th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on EWTN TV and radio. 18 past, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. The central U.S. is bracing for more bitter cold weather today. Pope Francis has changed rules on procurement and extraordinary expenses of dicasteries and a bill to preserve abortion rights, or will they be called freedoms, into the French Constitution is advancing with a debate in the National Assembly's law committee there. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It is the Feast of St. Anthony the Abbot, and mm-hmm. uh, we are going to talk more about him with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. We want to wish a feast day, uh, happy feast day to all the Anthonys, the Antonios, the Antoines, the Tonys. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Tonys, got an email from Tony. Uh, she's a listener out of Pennsylvania, longtime listener, and apparently today is her birthday, which means oh. that... Uh, it's possible, and she hasn't messaged me back to tell me, but it's possible that she might have been named some variation 
of Anthony, a feminized form. Ah, yes. Because that's because she was it's born. feast day, yeah. So I, I was thinking about this. We should probably do a better job of on certain feast days, not just saying happy feast day to people, but saying happy birthday to some people because I you know were named that for some the people. on which you were born. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, follow that practice. Yeah. Um, My brother in law is one. He was born yep. on the feast of St. Bartholomew. His name's Nathaniel. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm, I met a, a priest who was born on Easter Sunday, and his name was Father Pascal. Oh, that's cool. Which is pretty cool. Freddie was born on the Feast of St. John Chrysostom, and he's Frederick John. Okay, that works. You can mix it up. You know, you know if you were born today, you could also pick some other names. Uh, if you're looking for a girl's name, you could do uh, St. Uh, Euphemia Domitilla. Mm-hmm. I don't meet many kids named that. No. Or uh, mild, Gamelbird of Michael's Buck is mild. Antoinette, Tony just messaged me back. It's Antoinette. Perfect. Happy nice. feast to all the Antoinettes out there. Happy feast and to Ant Man, if you're listening. Happy feast day. It's 21 minutes past the hour. In them to think outside the box to find new customers, you can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. We do not know much about St. Paul's personal life, but it appears that he must have liked sports. He uses sports analogies in his different writings, including the first letter to the Corinthians chapter 9. He writes there, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. St. Paul teaches us that all who have the gift of faith are athletes for Christ. Just as athletes discipline their bodies to run the race, we must discipline our souls and bodies so that we never lose focus of what our true goal is, everlasting life with Christ. St. Paul is the motivator for all of us when we get tired or want to fall out of the race. He knows what it takes because he's already run the race. He knows we need the Holy Spirit. Christians need the spiritual discipline of prayer, the sacraments, and a life of generous service. Christians also need the physical discipline of turning away from sin and living a life of virtue. When the runners win the perishable crown, they usually want to go to Disneyland. As we run for the imperishable crown of holiness, our goal is a lot greater. We want to go to heaven. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Dr. Stout, welcome back. Good morning. It's good to have you. And we've been talking about understanding the truth of the Eucharist as we pray the Mass. And I've got a question. So Jesus at the Last Supper broke bread and said, this is my body. And then he gave the disciples the the wine and, and said, this is my blood. But when we as Catholics receive the Eucharist, Dr. Stout, we say that we are receiving his body, blood, 
soul and divinity. How is that? Well, there's that great Catholic term. We've talked about it a couple of times, um, transubstantiation. And so the substance of the bread becomes the substance of Jesus's body. What substance? It's what that thing is, right? So I know it, it sounds like a highfalutin philosophical term, but it's just the reality of that thing. So the bread does not become the substance of the blood, right? The wine does not become the substance of the body, but right? If you think of even my own body, right? You, you can't have, you know, my body right now without the blood and you can't have my body without my soul because my soul is the life of my body. So even though the bread becomes particularly the substance of Jesus' body, when you receive the body, you receive the whole Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So a lot of people will ask, you know, do we really, you know, need to receive the Eucharist under both species? Well, Jesus said, you know, to take and eat and take and drink. And so there is a fullness of the sacramental sign when you receive both species. But either way, you receive the entire Christ. Can you talk about the choice of bread and wine? I mean, you think about it, I guess Jesus could have chosen like wine and cheese or wine and, and lamb maybe would be the more appropriate alternative here. Um, or, you know, bread and water perhaps. Um, what is the significance of bread and wine? Well, in the book, I really try to unpack the cultural significance of the Eucharist, that it's something that actually comes out of our, our life as human beings, right? Be, wa um, wine is different than water in the sense that, you know, water naturally occurs. Wine doesn't, mm. right? You have to cultivate, cultivate the vine, you have to produce it into wine. And so in that sense, bread and wine are our contribution that we bring. You know, there there is, in a way, two different but related offerings during the Mass. During the offertory, we bring what we made, the bread and the wine, and we, we offer that to God to praise Him and thank Him uh, as the Creator who gave us the gifts that we needed to make the bread and wine. But then these are taken up into the sacrifice of Christ— um, and of course, bread and wine have a long, you know, significance throughout the Old Testament. You know, the the offering of Melchizedek, bread and wine were actually offered uh, within the tabernacle and and the temple, so they represent human life and sustenance. And wine, of course, could be seen as as a symbol of blood itself, right? Especially if you're using red grapes, you know, sure. it, it even has a kind of visible connection to that, um, and when you are looking at the bread, right, you know, in a way you could say that the bread is simply, you know, the sustenance that we need. Bread is almost mm -hmm. a symbol for, for food. And you said that it, it could have been lamb. And I guess in a way it, it is meant to be, right? You know, yeah. that Jesus is the new Passover lamb and he does want us to consume his flesh within his new covenant meal, this new Passover meal. Um, and the best way that he thought to do that was to use the substance of the bread as a starting point, right? Yeah. And then he changes the nature uh, of that bread into his own body. But the whole point of it is so that we can consume his flesh. Well, it brings us back to the manna from heaven, right, as well? This the, this bread from heaven. Um, of course, in that case, the, the manna from heaven was a unique substance, right? Mm -hmm. Even the word manna was basically like, what is this stuff? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a question. We don't know, <laughs> you know, and, 
in this case, Jesus is using something very ordinary. Sure. Right. You know, I just sure. want you to bring something normal to me, an everyday kind of food, but then I'm going to make it extraordinary. Right. That the daily bread, what we say in the Our Father, actually means super substantial bread mm. in the Greek. Right. So bring me your ordinary bread and I'm going to give you this super substantial bread, which is my flesh. And isn't it incredible, too, that Jesus is inviting us to eat with him? That is the whole idea of communion, right? And you, and you think about how we eat as human beings, that the daily meal together, like I, I think of the family dinner, almost like the sacrament of the family, right? Yeah. That's how we maintain communion with one another. And that's why we have to guard that time. So eating is a key way of, of being one together, sharing time together. And when Jesus wants to give of himself and to draw us in a communion with him, he does that through eating, right? That this is a, a sacrifice, right? At the heart of the mass is this offering of Jesus' body and blood to the Father, but it's also an offering to us. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that when you enact a covenant, this not, you know, it's not like a, a normal agreement, right? A covenant binds people together as if they were family. Yeah. Um, and so when there is a covenant that is sealed with sacrifice, the sacrifice of animals, which then leads to a covenant meal, to the celebration. And that's what Jesus does, right? You know, he wants to bind us together in the new covenant. That's what he says at the Last Supper, that his blood is the blood of the new covenant. So he's enacting this eternal covenant. And to draw us into that covenant, he offers the sacrifice of himself but then the sacrifice is then um, used to draw us into this covenant meal, which brings about communion, the oneness in the consuming of Christ. Well, it's incredible. Thank you so much, Dr. Jared Stout. You can find his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, from Tan Books, and also linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The central U.S. is bracing for more bitter cold. The National Weather Service says another Arctic cold front will be plunging into the U.S. starting today and could bring more record-setting cold temperatures. Forecasters say the polar plunge could extend as far south as the Florida panhandle with lows dipping into the 20s and teens in some places. Wind chill temperatures could drop below zero in some parts of the south. It's expected that the cold front could also bring more snow to cities from St. Louis to Boston. ABC News is canceling their GOP primary debate scheduled for tomorrow, citing lack of participation. Brian Shook has more. ABC News said in a statement that the intent was to have a debate fresh off the Iowa caucuses, but that it remained dependent on candidates. Both former President Trump and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley failed to respond to a given deadline of Tuesday afternoon. I'm Brian Shook. Former President Trump still enjoys broad support from evangelical Christians, according to the polls out of Iowa. About half said he was their first choice headed into the Monday night caucuses, which Trump handily won, beating second place finisher Florida Governor Ron DeSantis by some 30 points. Evangelicals make up nearly half of Republican caucus goers. Trump also won the pro-life vote handily, according to AP's vote cast. A group of Democratic senators are calling for a freeze on U.S. military aid to Israel. 
Nine Democrats and one Republican yesterday voted to support a resolution by independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont that would have given the State Department 30 days to report human rights violations committed during Israel's war on Hamas and to freeze military aid if the State Department failed to meet the deadline. The Senate voted overwhelmingly to table the resolution. A Nigerian bishop in Borno State has decried the widespread corruption in Nigerian public life. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In his homily on Nigerian Armed Forces Day, Archbishop Lucius Ugorji said that corruption poses a grave concern within our public sphere, extending beyond quantifiable scales. The CBCN president lamented that the lives of many, young and old alike, are deeply entangled in this malaise. In 2020, an investigation led by the governor of Borno State uncovered a staggering 22,556 so-called ghost workers on the government payroll, with 14,700 at the local government level and 7,800 falsely employed by public primary schools. This fraudulent inclusion costs the state government a substantial $420 million monthly. Additionally, Nigerian politicians and officials exploit the system by not only drawing pensions for deceased workers, but also registering migrants as voters in exchange for a spot on the government payroll. Another rampant issue in Nigeria, particularly in the past two decades, is the prevalence of board examinations, especially at the senior secondary level involving students, teachers and parents engaging in exam cheating. Highlighting the persistent nature of corruption, on the 8th of January, the Nigerian president suspended Beta Edum, the Minister of Humanitarian Affairs and Poverty Reduction, suspecting her involvement in embezzling funds from a bank account designated for the Ministry's financial transactions under the Social Welfare Programme. These instances underscore the urgent need for comprehensive measures to curb corruption's pervasive influence on Nigerian public life. I am Francesca Merlo. Tobacco use is down globally. Trey Thomas has more. The World Health Organization announces the total number of adult tobacco users worldwide has decreased. We have 19 million less smokers than we had two years ago. That is the first time that we see such a decline. The WHO has urged countries to continue putting in place tobacco control policies and to continue the fight against tobacco industry interference. I'm Trey Thomas. Pro-lifers are looking ahead to the March for Life on Friday. The National Prayer Vigil for Life gets underway tomorrow night with the opening mass at the National Shrine in D.C. Bishop Michael Burbage will celebrate that mass. He released a statement yesterday saying, quote, We remain steadfast in our commitment to work for the legal protection of every human life from conception to natural death. This is a responsibility that we all must share. It's 35 If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. 
get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is confession? Confession is the telling of our sins to a duly authorized priest for the purpose of obtaining forgiveness. Of course, people tell sins to all sorts of people, but that's not going to be something that obtains forgiveness. Confession, the sacrament founded by Jesus Christ, when he said to the apostles, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. That sacrament, then, is within the realm of the church. And when the sins are confessed to a duly authorized priest, they're able to be forgiven. Who is a duly authorized priest? One who has been given faculties by his bishop. So that's not every priest. And the purpose of the confession is to obtain forgiveness. The goal is not to get psychological help. It's to say, Lord, I have sinned and forgive me. That is the confession that can help us to keep faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday, January 17th on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And of course, uh, St. Anthony of the Desert is the man we celebrate today. We're going to go out to the desert uh, a little bit in the book of Exodus. And that's Gary Zimak's uh, verse of choice this morning. Gary joins us from followingthetruth.com. Stop worrying and start living is what we call this segment. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So where in Exodus are we uh, for today's verse? Matt, we are going to Exodus 14, verse 13. And, and here's the verse. Let me read it, then we'll talk a little bit about it. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Matt, the people are not in a good position here. They are being pursued by the Egyptians as they are trying to escape slavery. Moses is leading them out of the desert. They're looking at the very real threat around them. And the Lord, speaking through Moses, says to the people, Relax. I got this. Trust me. I'm going to take care of this. You know, and so many times in, in my life, um, I, and I have things going on right now, so many times in my life, the Lord has said the same thing to me. Gary, it doesn't look good, but I'm going to help you with this. This can work out. Relax. Trust me. It's so hard for a control freak like me to trust the Lord. But you know what, Matt? That's where I obtain the peace that I'm looking for. When I finally surrender and say, all right, Lord, you, you've done a lot of great things in the past. I'm going to choose to trust you in this matter as well. So Moses is saying to the people to fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. And to put you, you know, in the context of the narrative, uh, the Passover has happened. Uh, Pharaoh has basically said, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you Israelites anymore. The Israelites are, are leaving Egypt uh, as an entire people. 
headed towards the Red Sea, and Pharaoh changes his mind, and they turn around, and they see the whole army coming after them. And so that's when <laughs> that's when yeah. Moses uh, issues this fear not, stand firm. And, of course, the Red Sea parts, and the people of Israel walk through dry shod, and then uh, the sea comes back over top of, of Pharaoh's army. But I find it interesting that uh, the other side of that Red Sea in this particular scenario is not, in fact, the land of Canaan, but instead the Sinai Desert, <laughs> right? Mm. So in some ways yeah. uh, it is a salvation, but it is not a fixing of all the problems as it becomes clear for the entire rest of the book of Exodus. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that's, that's life. That's when you look at life, that's exactly what each of us faces. We, we're surrounded by potential threats. We're surrounded by problems, by difficulties. And, he, you know, what the Lord wants us to do, He wants us to walk by faith, He wants us to trust Him, and He's going to continue to allow us to be in these situations so that we can make that decision to trust Him, to say, Lord, I, I trust You. I, I don't know how this is going to work out. I, it might be painful for me, but I believe somehow this is going to work out for the best as long as I put my trust in You. And honestly, Matt, I, this is something I have to do every day multiple times each day. I, I look at circumstances, I sometimes begin to catastrophize because that's my nature, and then I have to make that choice. Do I want to panic, or do I want to place my trust in the Lord? And, and I find that every time I, I surrender, every time I consciously make that decision to surrender, to ask the Lord for help, to believe that, yeah, Lord, you can help me with this, even though it doesn't look good, there's a peace that I feel. It might be fleeting peace, but it is peace. And honestly, he's never let me down. He, he's not someone who lets his people, his children down. He will be there for us, as he was for the Israelites as they were in this predicament. You know, it is interesting that there are some uh, really dramatic sort of big turning points along the way, right? Uh, the delivery of the Ten Commandments and the law, um, the delivery through the Red Sea, some of the dramatic things that, that happen and uh, that that move Israel towards the Promised Land. It takes 40 years, so yeah. uh, that's pretty intense. But uh, what strikes me is that for a great deal of this, uh, they are fed by the manna in the desert. And, you know, you and I yeah. take for granted that we pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. But uh, this was a, a very concrete reality for the people of Israel, so much so that they were forbidden to take enough for the next day. Uh, as yeah, a matter of fact, yeah. if anybody did take enough to save it for the next day, it got all full of maggots and stuff. It's a very gross passage of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it's it strikes me that even though they had to stand firm in that moment, in a big moment, it's all these little moments along the way. Like, literally every day they had to stand firm and trust, well, today— God's going to feed us. Exactly. And it's, it was very real to them. It was, it was life or death. And the reason the Lord didn't want to give them a life's provision of, of a life's worth of manna to provide for them is because they wouldn't turn to him anymore. They would, they would start to feel self-sufficient. And I think he does the, the same thing for us in, in telling us to ask each day for what we need, because if I got what I need for a lifetime and just stockpiled it, I Personally speaking, I hate to say this, but I would probably not turn to him as much because I have what I need. I don't need him as much. But he wants us to keep he wants us to keep remembering that we do need him. And and for those of us who struggle with anxiety, we recognize that we know that we can't do this thing called life alone. 
because it is too tough. And Matt, I just want to say this this verse we're looking at, as is the case with so many verses in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament verses, we sometimes disassociate these messages from our daily lives. So we say, well, that's great. That was thousands of years ago. You know, how does it really apply to me? This is absolutely absolutely relevant for every one of us today. This need, this this danger around us. And if you if you don't think there's danger, if you don't think there's a threat, turn on the TV, go on the internet, look around you. There is this this these threats all around us. But the Lord wants us to stand firm and to choose to trust that He is bigger than any problem we can ever face. This is one of the most relevant messages that we can ever find in the Bible. Well, and, you know, I think about, you know, messages that, that come through our Lord, right? When Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has right. enough trouble of its own, <laughs> right? But I also yeah. think about... um what St. Ignatius says in the spiritual exercises and uh, some of his discussion on discernment and, and how to handle times of spiritual frustration and desolation. And he says, don't change up your routine big time in some time of desolation, right? right. If you're having right. a hard time, don't be like, well, I'm going to just change everything in the world. No, if you're having a hard time, keep going to Mass, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> just keep going to Mass. Keep praying. Exactly. That is absolutely true. And I have a tendency to start changing things when I panic. When I panic, I start, okay, I've got to change this. I've got to fix this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But over the years, I've learned, as you said, the importance. Going to Mass is the most important thing that I do each day. I get to do it each day. I'm blessed to be able to do that. I don't know what, I don't know how I would survive without that, without that ability to receive our Lord every day and to be able to go to Mass, to get the grace that I need. So yeah, don't change things. Keep going, even when you are feeling that things are falling apart, even though it doesn't look like things are getting better, especially when you're in the desert. Don't change things. Just believe in the Lord, trust in Him, and, and keep take that next step. That's, that's all He asks us to do. Take that next step. Focus on the present moment. Well, uh, Moses told the people in Exodus 14, as you just mentioned, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. The Church gives us the sacraments as anchors of stability to help us stand firm when the rest of the world is going crazy. No matter what is happening in the world, the Mass is still there, right? Yep. Uh, the, the world spins, the cross stands still, I think, is the Cistercian motto. So thank you so much, Gary Zimak. We've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. God bless. Up next, we talk more about St. Anthony of the Desert on This His Feast Day with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. It's 14 minutes before the hour. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. 
Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Catechism in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is now available right here on Catholic Radio. Encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith as we journey together toward our heavenly home. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, call with your questions. We've got answers. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bonsin, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you back, especially when we get to talk about somebody like St. Anthony of the <laughs> Desert, called the father of monasticism. How did he end up in the desert? Well, as uh, many saints uh, have over the many centuries in the life of the Church, he wanted to be alone with God, and uh, a native of what they call Lower Egypt, so the area around the, what would be modern Cairo. Uh, he probably grew up with uh, a family that was uh, well-to-do, but both his parents died, and ultimately he left any sort of a social life. He, he wanted to be with God alone. And so he made his way, as Egypt uh, would allow you to do, into the desert to be alone. But of course, uh, those plans that saints often have of wanting to be alone just with God, it never seems to turn out that way, does it? Not quite, yeah. People <laughs> seem to catch wind of this guy out there in the desert, and then they decide that they want to go join him. So talk about this this can you call it, a, I guess you could call it a community, that, that formed around him? That's right. Yeah, well, the, the, one of the words, the technical words, is a synovitic life. It's uh, basically mm. the common life. And you're absolutely right. He, he went into the desert. Uh, he led a life of prayer and solitude. He ate, as it is said, only bread, salt, and water. Wow. And he acquired a reputation for those who also wanted to find God in the desert for wisdom and holiness. And, of course, uh, that drew more people, and as a result, uh, he would allow this. A colony basically formed around him, and uh, he guided them in their various spiritual lives and lives of prayer and, and what was supposed to be solitude. But he continually was then going back to a life of prayer and solitude, but it just it, it never worked out that way for him. But in that sense, too, he understood that that was something he was being called to do. 
and as his fame grew, more came to see him. But at the same time, he was also always looking for those who were great and holy in the sense of wanting to emulate them. And as a result, uh, he came into contact with uh, names that aren't very well known today, someone like Paul of Thebes. And then, of course, he had the remarkable, extraordinary friendship uh, with St. Athanasius, uh, who came to him in some of the darkest days of Athanasius's life. And the two of them developed a great friendship. And it is because of that friendship that we know so much about St. Anthony or Anthony of the Desert because of the life of Anthony that Athanasius wrote. Two of them, a, a powerhouse team against uh, against the heresy of Arianism, correct? That, that's absolutely right. One active in the world, fighting it, being exiled on multiple occasions as the, the beautiful bishop of uh, Alexandria is one of the great exemplars of uh, the fight against Arianism publicly, but then you also had Antony of the Desert, uh, who had this powerhouse of prayer, uh, who also gave spiritual support to Athanasius. So there's a lesson for all of us, too, as we strive to, to fight and to work for orthodoxy in the Church, that there are different paths that we can be called to follow in supporting the true teachings of the Church. It really depends on what God has in mind for us and how we go about doing it. Yeah, and you mentioned also his friendship with St. Paul the Hermit. Um, and one thing that I, I think is is really amazing about uh, St. Anthony in this regard is is his sheer humility. I mean, you have all of these people that are flocking to him, and yet he still has the humility to actually dig the grave for his friend after he died. That's right. That's right. And and to give away his possessions as death approached. But I think part of that, too, was uh, what do we often do? We have pigs that are associated with uh, Antony. Of course, yes. we probably talk more about that if we have the time. Yeah. But one of the great hallmarks of his life was overcoming temptation. And this was not just somebody who faced temptations in his life, but somebody who at one point was beaten nearly to death, and some would say beaten to death, uh, Ooh, by, yeah. by demons, by the temptations of life. And uh, artists throughout the centuries have uh, depicted the temptations, the torments of St. Anthony. I think in particular someone like Hieronymus Bosch, uh, but we even have someone um, like Michelangelo and others who understood what he was facing on the road to the perfection of the virtues in his life. And imagine being alone in the desert as he was, being tormented day and night uh, by the demonic, by the temptations, and overcoming all of them alone. Uh, but, but he realized, too, that he wasn't alone. Uh, there's that famous story where he was uh, so tormented and, and violently assaulted he was asking when he saw the light, where were you? And God said, well, I was always there. Hmm. Wow. Our Lord, who himself was tempted in the desert there with him. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Can you can you discuss his, his instructions on asceticism and spiritual warfare, the lessons that, that he would give to his followers? Well, you said something important, and that is uh, humility. And it's this understanding of yourself that you are completely dependent upon God in overcoming these temptations. But it's also the importance of perseverance. 
It was the, the fortitude that he had um, and the trust that he had in overcoming it, but also realizing that so much of this is false, that he was tormented by images uh, that pushed him to lust, that pushed him to pride, but understanding that only God can help us, but also having the wisdom to turn ourselves away from those illusions that we have in our life and really understanding what is real. And I think that's uh, something that for all of us, surrounded by so many distractions, by so many temptations, not just in social media, but in our own daily lives of material existence and relativism and unable even to understand what is biological reality now, helping us to understand, to persevere what is real in our lives from what is false in our lives. So beautifully put. All right. Why is he pictured with a pig in art? (laughs) Multiple reasons. One, uh, he supposedly helped heal the pig who stayed with him forever. Uh, The other is that uh, his followers used uh, the pig fat to help heal a variety of skin diseases. Uh, But the other one is uh, a wild pig appeared to him in in demonic form, and through his prayers, he reduced the pig to what it really was, a little piglet. Uh, A a reminder, too, of how great sins in our lives can be reduced to something that is very small and manageable if we have the insight and wisdom to do it. That's awesome. And so if you are a swine herder, happy feast day to you. He's your patron, (laughs) St. Anthony of the Desert. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Pray for us. Dr. Matthew Bunsen, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Great to be with you and a very belated Happy New Year. Thank you, you as well. All right, we got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. On this Wednesday, the 17th of January, it is the Feast of St. Anthony of the Desert. Let's pray the Collect from Mass today in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O God, who brought the Abbot St. Anthony to serve you by a wondrous way of life in the desert, grant through his intercession that denying ourselves we may always love you above all things. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Anthony, pray for us. Again, a happy feast day to all the listeners out there who have Anthony-related names. I know there are many of you. I've met a bunch of you. Some of you even have Anthony as your last name. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. You can join the video feed and the chat in our Facebook page and uh, through our YouTube channel. That's all linked in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Of this hour, Father Philip Michael Tangora, our canon law correspondent, is going to discuss what's been going on with Nicaragua. Uh, There was a bishop in prison there for uh, quite a while for speaking out against the Ortega regime. There's a lot to address regarding religious liberty 
in Nicaragua. We'll talk about that with Father Tangora. Uh, we'll also, this hour, catch up with Carla Broussard, who's been trying to uh, unpack some of the issues in the culture wars over gender confusion. Eva Montaigne's going to join us from the West Coast Walk for Life. That's this weekend, along with the March for Life happening on Friday. Uh, and then Father Robert Nixon continues to look at the virtues and uh, St. Albert the Great. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Winter weather continues to cause headaches at airports across the country. The flight tracking website FlightAware earlier this morning reported more than 700 cancellations and more than 250 delays among the airport's Heavily impacted were Chicago O'Hare, Reagan National, Houston Bush, and LaGuardia. The Pope has changed rules on procurement and extraordinary expenses of dicasteries. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock has more. Pope Francis's new measures aim to improve the way Vatican offices, known as dicasteries, manage their expenditures and the way they assign contracts to outside companies. The Pope's interventions on this subject took the form of two letters issued motu proprio, or on his own impulse. In the first letter, the Pope specifies how Vatican dicasteries are to manage their expenditures. He says that every Vatican entity is required to request the approval of the Secretariat for the Economy when an act of expenditure exceeds 2% of its total yearly costs. Approval, however, is not required for any transaction whose value is less than €1,500. With the second letter, which also takes the form of a motu proprio, the Pope intervenes to further clarify the regulations governing how the Vatican hands out contracts for goods and services. Here, too, the Pope emphasizes transparency, control, and competition in the procedures for the awarding of contracts. The Pope says that the observations of institutions linked to the Holy See, as well as the experience the Vatican has accrued in recent years, were crucial in making this decision. And Pope Francis says that all decisions regarding contracts must be made in conformity with the social doctrine of the Church and with the encyclical letter Laudato Si on care for the environment. Today's announcements are the latest in a long series of papal financial reforms. In December, defendants in a financial crimes trial in the Vatican were sentenced to a total of 37 years in prison. I'm Joseph Tollock. Boeing stock has taken a hit after a Wall Street report said an FAA audit, quote, opens up a whole new can of worms. Coming after a door plug blew off during an Alaska Airlines flight on a Boeing 737 MAX 9 earlier this month, Wells Fargo analysts have downgraded Boeing's stock to equal weight from overweight, given the recent developments, saying the odds of a clean audit are low. Boeing's stock dropped 8 percent at Tuesday's closing bell. The Supreme Court has declined to hear a case about an Indiana high school's bathroom policies. A lower court had ruled students are allowed to use restrooms according to their so-called gender identity. The Indiana School District had appealed the ruling. A number of lawsuits across the country have been filed by students identifying as transgender against school districts' bathroom policies that require students to use the bathroom aligned with their biological sex. A bill to preserve abortion rights into the French Constitution is advancing with a debate in the National Assembly's Law Committee. In Paris, Tony Waterman says... The government is hoping to have the text adopted by early March. Is terminating a pregnancy a right or a freedom? 
That's what lawmakers in France are trying to figure out. The latest version of the constitutional abortion bill calls it a guaranteed freedom, a blending of the two ideas. Women in France have had the legal right to an abortion for 50 years, but the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the U.S. has spurred the desire for greater protections. Tony Waterman. Paris And pro-lifers in the United States are looking ahead to the March for Life on Friday. The National Prayer Vigil for Life gets underway tomorrow night with the opening mass at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in D.C. Bishop Michael Burbage will celebrate that mass. He released a statement as head of the U.S. Bishops Committee on Pro-Life Activities. He said, we remain steadfast in our commitment to work for the legal protection of every human life from conception to natural death. This is a responsibility that we all must share, especially now when this very protection is being undermined. What's and the weather going to be like out there, Matt? Uh, you know, I think there was supposed to be some kind of snow, but I don't know when it starts. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because um, uh, for listeners, you know, I called you yesterday evening and you yeah, sounded but, out of breath and you're like, well, that's because I you, just my phone rang as I was going down a sledding sled. hill. <laughs> and I got to the bottom of the sledding hill. I'm like, what is, who is calling me? And I'm like, it's Annie. It I must have be about- to take it. Our March for Life coverage, and it was, and it was actually about our it March was. for Life coverage. It's true. Uh, so I'm looking uh, ten day weather forecast for DC uh, Friday. Thirty three degrees is the mm-hmm. high. Snowy. Um, that'll be warmer than it is right now. Yeah, I was going to say that's actually above freezing. And it'll be after a uh, 39 degree day on Thursday. Oh, nice! Which hopefully, we'll have thawed some things out a little bit. Yeah, well, it'll make it less likely for the snow to pile up more. Yeah, it's true. And we got hopefully. some sunshine today that will hopefully melt some things down. Actually, it's nice. it's worse north of DC than it is down in DC. Oh, okay, so good. Uh, there are people coming from uh, different regions that will probably dodge a great deal of it. Nice. Um, nice. But I will say this, Anna Mitchell. Once again, we are covering March for Life starting at 6 a.m. Eastern. So anybody who is driving down from anywhere or flying in from anywhere, when you get up in the morning, uh, tune in to 1160 AM, WMET, Guadalupe Radio Affiliate, uh, to catch our coverage. Or the Sunrise Morning Show app. Or Sunrise Morning Show app or EWTN, Sirius uh, XM channel, uh, any of that stuff. We've got, I mean, I'm still working on on the schedule for Friday's show, but... Uh, we've we've got Jean Marie Davis, who is going to be one of the speakers at the march on Friday. We've got a lot of people. Her story is unreal. Well, I can I don't know if there's anybody else who does earlier coverage like across any media platform earlier earlier live coverage of the March for Life than the Sunrise Morning Show. Yeah. If you know somebody that starts theirs at five thirty Eastern, let me know so, so I that we can see beat the title. Yeah, no, so that we can. I'm just oh, so kidding. we can no. so we can start the show an hour earlier. <laughs> Is that what you really want, Anna Mitchell? <laughs> we should meet about that before you do. Anything. Okay, let's. We'll talk. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, uh, joined now by Father Philip Michael Tangora. He's a pastor and a canon lawyer from New Jersey, and uh, he joins us each week to discuss various things uh, that are happening in the life of the church. Father Tangora, good morning. Good morning, and I look forward to seeing you at the March for Life. Yes, indeed. Lots of Sunrise Morning Show listeners headed in for that. Uh, and, you know, we've been praying 
uh, a lot on this show, and Anna's, uh, Anna Mitchell's been reporting on it extensively. Uh, the situation in Nicaragua with a bishop in prison, it got our attention right off the bat because a Catholic radio station <laughs> was shut down as part of this. Uh, what is the latest from Nicaragua? Well, a lot of the clergy that was imprisoned, especially the bishops, has uh, been allowed to make their way to Rome. And so now they have taken up a temporary indefinite residence in Rome, in the Vatican, uh, so that they are no longer imprisoned and subject to the cruelty of the prison situation and uh, torment that they were undergoing in Nicaragua under the dictatorship. Okay, so I have lots and lots of questions. Um, mm-hmm. One of them has to do with, you know, just a reminder to people to pray for the church in Nicaragua. I mean, can you imagine if your diocese, where you live, mm-hmm. suddenly all the priests got kicked out and your bishop got kicked out too? I mean, like, what, what, what does the church do in this situation? Like, what do the well, local this, this parishioners is, do? This, this is part of uh, the, the question that I ask, especially after, in light of uh, the Colvadis Dominic. All right, so you had uh, St. Peter and the early Christians in Rome telling Peter, get out, get out, you know, uh, be safe, and all this kind of stuff. And Peter's going down the Via Appia, and then he sees Jesus Christ carrying the cross walking back into Rome, and he asks, Colvadis Domine, where are you going, Lord? And and Jesus responds to be crucified with my uh, children once again. And, and this was a, a notion of the fact that, you know, uh, Peter was abandoning the flock, that the bishop was abandoning his flock. And so there's kind of a question of should the bishop and priest have uh, agreed to leave? And I'm sure there was a lot of diplomatic stuff that was going on between the, the, Apostle, the Holy See and Nicaragua and whatnot. A lot of to, stuff that uh, we'll never know life. about, right? A lot of stuff that Absolutely. just, I mean, quiet Absolutely. things. But at the same time, there's the question, should the bishops have left? Should the bishops have maybe stayed in the prison and shown we're going to be in solidarity with all of the uh, suffering Christians currently now in Nicaragua who are being uh, denied the Eucharist, who are being denied the sacraments? who aren't being able to worship freely in their churches, you know? And so there's a, there is a legitimate question there. Uh, you know, it's carnal prudence versus the actual virtue of prudence. And, uh, and that witness and that call to martyrdom, that call to, uh, to give uh, an undo- a constant uh, witness to the sufferings of Christ and be one with the people to say, hey, listen, I'm here with you still suffering. Uh, you know, I'm sure the people are, are relieved that their bishops are, are not, you know, being put to death or anything like that right now. Uh, but there is that question, should they have actually said, you know what, no, thank you, Holy Father, for this opportunity, but we're going to stay here. Yeah, I wonder about this in so many levels, and I wonder about it because of, uh, among other things, the long view of history. Uh, because I exactly. think about places like France— uh, where you couldn't openly practice Catholicism during the Revolution, right, without uh, your know, senior getting beheaded. Not Mexico, too not too far from Nicaragua, England. And in some ways, I, you know, I mentioned there's stuff that we don't know and can't know Absolutely. about these, these backgrounds. But I think there's also some stuff that we probably shouldn't know, because think about the extraordinary heroism of some of these priests who, under the cover of night, 
got back in. I think of uh, Blessed Miguel Pro, who wore a myriad of disguises. I think of Father Chaminade in France, who used to sneak around. I think of uh, so many of the English Reformation priests um, yeah. who hid in priest holes. And in some ways, like we, it's hard for us to know. But in some ways, I kind of don't want to know because I, you know, w- one of the worst things would be like a press release that says. You know, 20 <laughs> Nicaraguan priests returning undercover to Nicaragua. I don't want Daniel Ortega knowing that. Exactly. Exactly. But there needs to be that presence, just like the priests in Ireland and everything. And in England, like you're saying about the, during the, they had the penal rosary and they were praying, uh, you know, and that's, but that's what then fueled an explosion of the faith. When the church is persecuted, that is almost like saying, thank you, because now the faith is going to be refined. It is going to be set on fire, and the, the the desire for the sacraments and for prayer and for the faith and for li- religious liberty is going to just explode in that country. So that's why you kind of have to say, I know it's a horrible cross, and, and who are, are we to say when um, until we're faced with that cross? You know how we would how we would react, but it's that fact that we need to give that witness. And it shouldn't just be about politics. Uh, the church should should weir away from uh, political uh, amelioration and political uh, dealings and allow the cross, allow what God's plan for our salvation is going to be to unfold. Let God's work really be. And, and engaging in politics, especially with corrupt people like Daniel Ortega, not going to be how the gospel is going to actually proclaimed and be witnessed to. Well, I am praying that God raises up missionaries, heroic priests, uh, to go in there and administer the sacraments, to be with the people of God, to strengthen them. And I'm also praying that nobody knows about it (laughs) so that it can flourish and that uh, a corrupt regime like they have in Nicaragua can wake up one morning and be like, what happened? Where did our power go? Where did all these people come from? <laughs> right? And exactly. they've, they've been practicing the faith heroically and quietly until they can practice it freely. So praying continually for our brothers and sisters in Nicaragua and the leadership of Nicaragua. Father Tangora, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. God bless. Bye-bye. 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. 
If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The Honest to God podcast engages listeners with open, honest conversations, offering a Catholic perspective to inspire young adults to take another step on their faith journey towards Jesus. You can hear Honest to God as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates around the world, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com slash radio and click Podcast Central today. 18 pass, here's Anna with headlines. Winter weather continues to cause headaches at airports and bringing bitterly cold weather across the country. The Pope has changed rules on procurement and extraordinary expenses of dicasteries. And former President Trump apparently still enjoys broad support from evangelical Christians, according to Iowa polls. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Again, it is the Feast of St. Anthony the Abbot, who is uh, considered, uh, well, he goes by many names. I love uh, that he's considered the Abbot. The Abbot. Even because, though he didn't really run a monastery or yeah, anything? Yeah, he's, he's, I was, I was actually, I was looking into this because, of course, last hour I was talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen about, about his life. And um, he's called the Father of Western monasticism, whereas, and I was thinking, well, what do we call St. Benedict? I thought St. Benedict, and he's the founder, he's the founder of, of Western, Western monasticism. monasticism. So he get, he got the idea for doing this, and Benedict kind of assembled the idea of doing this mm-hmm. as a group. Yep. So you got all that. Yeah. You also got lots of really cool patronages associated with St. Anthony, and you ran through some of these with Dr. Bunsen mm-hmm. uh, towards the end. So obviously patron saint of hermits. So happy mm-hmm. feast day to my buddy, Brother Rex, who's yeah. on staff at the Coming Home Network. We have a hermit on staff who literally just does holy hours for our pastors who want to become it's Catholic. Incredible. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And then he sends some holy cards. And then nice. these pastors are like, what is a holy hour? Uh, but then uh, he's also patron saint of all these pig things. Uh, mm-hmm. And you went through some of that with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. So if you want to have bacon or sausage this morning in honor of St. Anthony, that is quite literally, pun intended, on the table. Yeah. Um, and then patron you got all kinds of, of weird butchers. skin diseases, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's patron saint of weird skin diseases and rashes. I imagine those pop up in desert life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he cured some. He cured a few. Yeah. He cured I a think, few as skin Dr. diseases. Said, yeah. Including using, like, pig lard. And patron saint of grave diggers, because I, I mentioned yes. in the conversation, he dug the grave himself for his good friend saint paul the hermit yeah showing great humility and great love for his friend yeah burying the dead a work of mercy that saint anthony himself engaged in even in the desert quite literally saint anthony of the desert pray Pray for for us. us it's 21 past
Cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed. It's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A novena prayer for the intercession of St. Maximilian Kolbe. O Lord Jesus Christ, who said, Greater love than this no man has than that a man lay down his life for his friends. Through the intercession of St. Maximilian Kolbe, whose life illustrated such love, we beseech you to grant our petitions. Through the Knights of the Immaculata Movement, which Maximilian founded, he spread a fervent devotion to Our Lady throughout the world. He gave up his life for a total stranger and loved his persecutors, giving us an example of unselfish love for all people, a love that was inspired by true devotion to Mary. Grant, O Lord Jesus, that we too may give ourselves entirely without reserve to the love and service of our Heavenly Queen, in imitation of your humble servant, Maximilian. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us. Carla Broussard is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers online at carlobroussard.com. You can listen to his Sunday Catholic Word podcast at mrsundaypodcast.com and invite him to speak through catholicanswersspeakers.com. Good morning, Carlo. Carlo, are you there? Good morning, Anna. Hey, Carlo. It's good to have you. And we're continuing our series on your book, The New Relativism from Catholic Answers Press. And we have started into your chapter entitled Thou Shalt Not Guilt. And we're going to start refuting it in just a moment. But just to get us started, remind us of, of what this narrative is and the relativism therein. Yeah, thou shalt not guilt translates into thou shalt not critique another person's beliefs or lifestyle choices, lest you make them feel guilty, and that in turn lead them to either harm themselves or that they are harmed by being offended by your critique. And so it translates into don't do people, your critiques do violence or harm to another person. Hmm. And so hence the moral imperative, thou shalt not guilt. The relativism embedded in there is that if we aren't able to offer critiques of a lifestyle choice, lest it makes them feel guilty and thereby do harm to them, well, then we can't offer critiques of any 
lifestyle choices. And to not be able to offer a critique of any lifestyle choice, that's the essence of moral relativism. And if you apply the standard to just beliefs in general, well, then you're going to end up in what I call in the book total relativism. Yeah. So let's dive in here when it comes to uh, having a conversation with somebody that is trying to tell us this. So, of course, the first thing we can do is point out the double standard here. Yeah. Yeah. And the double standard is something that runs through all of these modern moral imperatives. It's okay for me, but not for you kind of thing, right? So think about it. They're telling us that we ought not, we should not, we are wrong for critiquing the beliefs and lifestyle choices of others, lest we make them feel guilty and they go and harm themselves. But wait a minute. In making that very claim, aren't you thereby critiquing my own belief and my own lifestyle choice, which involves critiquing other people's lifestyle choices? Wouldn't your critique lead me to feel guilty and thereby lead me to do harm to myself? So why is it that I can't offer a charitable fraternal correction of another person's lifestyle choice, but yet you can? And so therein lies the double standard, which I think if we point that out to folks, people of goodwill and of reason will likely come to see that and say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's widen it out even a little bit more. I mean, am I really never allowed to criticize any kind of behavior or lifestyle choice? Yeah, well, that's a good question that we could pose to the person who's making or demanding that we live by this moral, contemporary moral imperative. And I think in asking that question, it becomes very apparent that this is not going to work because there are some things that people of goodwill intuitively recognize that we must criticize. And one key evil that you can bring up, moral evil that is, is racism. Right. And say, well, wait a minute. If uh, are you saying that we can't critique the lifestyle choices of racists and them acting out on their racism? And then, of course, people of goodwill will respond and say, well, of course not. So if we can criticize racism because we judge it is morally evil, well, then we would be able to offer criticisms of other lifestyle choices that we judge to be immoral when some of those lifestyle choices we judge to be immoral involved or involved with the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. I mean, it, you can just ask them, where would you, okay, they'll accept you can criticize racist, but then where do you draw the line? At what point right. do you get into the realm of causing self-harm if you're criticizing? That's right. Yeah. And so there's just arbitrary standards left and right here. You can't criticize these lifestyle choices. Oh, but those lifestyle choices over there we can criticize. And there's no principled reason why one and not the other. Mm -hmm. And can we just address this? It is so not popular to point out. But is it really my beliefs that are leading people in the LGBTQ lifestyle is it like it's really me that's leading them to self-harm or is it the lifestyle choice themselves yeah as i point out in the book anna i think we can turn the tables here and show that the lifestyle choices associated with the lgbtq plus community are actually doing the harm and so studies have verified this so if we take for example same-sex sexual activity and the journal archives of sexual behavior 
the su a suicide the suicide rate uh, for a gay lifestyle is five to seven times higher than those who are not involved in that lifestyle. Um, and, and then also with so-called gender transitioning, I give stats from Paul McHugh and John Hopkins Hospital and University. Suicide rate of those who had undergone so-called sexual assignment surgery rose to 20 times that of comparable wow. peers. And so in light of the stats, it's the lifestyle choices themselves, themselves that are actually causing the harm. So yeah. if we don't want to harm people, we should be inviting people to turn away from these lifestyle choices and give them up and live in accord with God's design for our sexuality. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that the next time we get together. Go pick up a copy of The New Relativism available at shop.catholic.com. Connect with Carlo. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Carlo, thank you so much. Anna, thank you. Have a great day. You do the same. Thanks. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The central U.S. My microphone is dying. I'm sorry. The central U.S. is bracing for more bitter cold. National Weather Service says another Arctic cold front will be plunging into the U.S. starting today and could bring more record-setting cold temperatures. This as thousands are without power in Oregon due to an ice storm freezing the Pacific Northwest. Forecasters warn that parts of western Oregon could see up to half an inch of ice today. On top of that, tens of thousands of Oregon residents will have to endure the weather without heat as power outages were affecting more than 70,000 homes and businesses as of this morning. ABC News is canceling their GOP primary debate scheduled for tomorrow, citing a lack of participation Brian Shook has more. ABC News said in a statement that the intent was to have a debate fresh off the Iowa caucuses, but that it remained dependent on candidates. Both former President Trump and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley failed to respond to a given deadline of Tuesday afternoon. I'm Brian Shook. Former President Trump still enjoys broad support from evangelical Christians that, according to polls out of Iowa, about half said he was their first choice headed into the Monday night caucuses, which Trump handily won, beating second place finisher Florida Governor Ron DeSantis by 30 points. Evangelicals make up nearly half of Republican Iowa caucus goers. Trump also won the pro-life vote handily, according to AP's vote cast. A Nigerian bishop in Borno State has decried the widespread corruption in Nigerian public life. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In his homily on Nigerian Armed Forces Day, Archbishop Lucius Ugorji said that corruption poses a grave concern within our public sphere extending beyond quantifiable scales. The CBCN president lamented that the lives of many, young and old alike, are deeply entangled in this malaise. In 2020, an investigation led by the governor of Borno State uncovered a staggering 22,556 so-called ghost workers on the government payroll, with 14,700 at the local government level and 7,800 falsely employed by public primary schools. This fraudulent inclusion costs the state government a substantial $420 million monthly. 
Additionally, Nigerian politicians and officials exploit the system by not only drawing pensions for deceased workers, but also registering migrants as voters in exchange for a spot on the government payroll. Another rampant issue in Nigeria, particularly in the past two decades, is the prevalence of board examinations, especially at the senior secondary level involving students, teachers and parents engaging in exam cheating. Highlighting the persistent nature of corruption, on the 8th of January, the Nigerian president suspended Beta Edum, the Minister of Humanitarian Affairs and Poverty Reduction, suspecting her involvement in embezzling funds from a bank account designated for the ministry's financial transactions under the social welfare program. These instances underscore the urgent need for comprehensive measures to curb corruption's pervasive influence on Nigerian public life. I am Francesca Merlo. French President Emmanuel Macron says the country will be sending weapons to Ukraine to help defend against Russian attacks. Yesterday, Macron announced Ukraine will receive 40 long-range missiles as well as hundreds of bombs sometime next month. Macron said he will also be traveling to Kiev in February when the weapons are dropped off. The announcement comes after a series of Russian aerial attacks struck civilian targets in Ukraine. Tobacco use is down globally. Trey Thomas reports. The World Health Organization announces the total number of adult tobacco users worldwide has decreased. We have 19 million less smokers than we had two years ago. That is the first time that we see such a decline. The WHO has urged countries to continue putting in place tobacco control policies and to continue the fight against tobacco industry interference. I'm Trey Thomas. The Biden administration and Consumer Financial Protection Bureau have unveiled new regulations for overdraft fees that are expected to go into effect in 2025. They'll now have to choose between offering overdraft loans for profit or a courtesy service. It's 35 past. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. A biblical figure only vaguely familiar to most of us is Tobit. We read his story in one of those special books that belongs to the church's Old Testament. It is not found in the Hebrew Bible. Tobit was a captive, taken prisoner from his home after Galilee was captured by the Assyrians. He had plenty of reason to feel sorry for himself and complain about his plight, but instead, Tobit always reached out to others. Then things seemed to have become too heavy for him. He was blind and even became mistrustful, doubting the word of his wife about a generous gift that was given to them by a grateful neighbor. At this point, Tobit prays to die, and that is when God begins to set in motion a whole series of wonderful experiences that open up a new life for Tobit, including healing from his blindness. In the end, 
Tobit discovered that God's plans were far better than his own. It was a good thing God did not listen to his prayer to die. We can truly say Tobit was a good man who got even better. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, now joined by Eva Montaigne, co-chair of the West Coast Walk for Life, which takes place this weekend. Eva, good morning. Good morning. So uh, the West Coast Walk for Life, uh, the March for Life, all these things kind of happen around the same time. Uh, we get to focus on both coasts over the course of a few days. Uh, how are you preparing this year? Well, this is our 20th anniversary, so we're definitely excited and have, have put a lot more effort into getting the word out, and and I think it's working. We have more buses signed up and, and more enthusiasm, so we're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to our great speakers. Um, we have Lila Rose and Kaya Jones, who's um, used to be a former member of the Pussycat Dolls, and she's had three abortions, and regrets them terribly and so she's going to be giving our yearly talk about how abortion hurts women which is the theme of the walk for life and you can find all the information on the speakers the events everything going on at walkforlifewc.com uh walkforlifewc.com you know it's interesting the different flavors of these two big pro-life rallies and there's some people who go to both <laughs> right the march yes, for life in are. washington which often has uh, very much a, a legislative flavor to it, uh, has a lot of road trippers from the region. Uh, how would you say that the vibe of the West Coast Walk for Life is, is slightly different but slightly similar? Well, even at the very beginning when we were starting the Walk for Life, we wanted it to be a sister event to the March for Life. Um, we had been to the March for Life and loved it and thought it was a fantastic event. Uh, but we thought that the West Coast needed to focus more on how abortion hurts women because it, there's just so much of it out here. And we also thought, you know, there's not too many people that can go from the West Coast to the East Coast. So we thought we'd um, we try to do an event that brought the West Coast together to show the support for life. And from the very beginning, it's taken off, and, and it just shows you that even here in San Francisco, there is a good strong pro-life presence. Well, and I think that some people may have cynical views about uh, both where I live. I mean, I'm talking to you from Maryland, just up the road from Washington, D.C., and of course, uh, you're speaking uh, from San Francisco. The people might look at those two towns and say, how could there possibly be any traction on the message of life in D.C. and San Francisco? But there is, isn't there? Yes, it's, and uh, we've shown we've shown that for 20 years, <laughs> coming on 20 years, it's going to be 20 years on, on Saturday. But um, yes, for absolutely, um, we I think that's what amazes most people that we can get tens of thousands of people into San Francisco to show their support for life, and we're just going to keep doing it because it's a very important issue. And as you probably know, no, we're 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 losing in different areas around the country. And we need to show our support, and we need to keep fighting, and we need to make sure that abortion is unthinkable. And that is, I think, such an important place to focus the battle, and that's why the message of the fact that abortion hurts women is so important to get out. Because no matter how legal and accessible abortion becomes, 
you can still talk to somebody and give them an option, <laughs> right? You can still promote a culture of life and say, just because it's available doesn't mean you have to take advantage of it. And the more we can get that message out and show people that they have options, I think the more traction we're going to get in this post-row world where everything crazy is happening at the state levels. Absolutely. In fact, that's why from the very beginning we've had an info fair where we invite all pro-life um, apostolates to come and give out their information to show how much support there is for women in crisis pregnancies. And this year we even have one of our speakers, Kim Hankel, is going to be talking about adoption and fostering, and she's adopted four kids, and that's very important to show that there are many ways to um, go about a crisis pregnancy besides abortion. Well, it's the 20th annual. Hard to believe it's been 20 years already. I remember when you guys were just getting started. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> so I've been going since 2004. Uh, but the 20th, anniversary, uh, 20th annual uh, Walk for Life West Coast, you can find out all kinds of information at walkforlifewc.com. I encourage anybody within driving distance of San Francisco, or even if it's just a quick flight to San Francisco for you, uh, there's still probably time to make some plans to, to join up. Uh, Eva Montaigne, thank you so much. Uh, Eva's co-chair of the Walk for Life West Coast. I uh, really appreciate your time this morning and have a great march. Thank you so much. All right. And a reminder uh, that uh, Anna Mitchell, not only are we going to have great coverage on Friday of the uh, March for Life starting at 6 a.m. Eastern. For those of you marching in mm-hmm. uh, into the D.C. area, be sure to, you know, Tune in. To get revved up, we'll help you with the pregame routine, uh, the uh, the tailgating, as it were, at the uh, Continental Breakfast in your uh, local hotel. Yes. Uh, or at the McDonald's drive-thru if you're bussing in that morning. But I was just going to say also, uh, in all this, let's not forget that something else starts tomorrow, um, which is the Christian Unity Octave. Yeah. Every year on January unity. 18th, uh, it begins the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. So expect some emphasis on, on that in the coming days here on the Sunrise Morning Show because it runs from January 18th to January 25th, which is the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. And as you are all marching for life wherever you happen to be, and you look around and you think, man, it's so cool to see people from a bunch of different churches all in the same spot. Use that as an opportunity during this week of prayer for Christian unity to just pray that this is one more step in a trajectory that we fulfill Jesus's prayer in John 17, that we may all be one. It is a good first step, the, you know, having a a shared view of the dignity of the human person from conception to natural death. And, of course, the March for Life uh, theme this year is um, it's with women for children, oh, I shouldn't have said this when I, without it sitting here in front of me, um, but this idea of the of supporting women in a choice for life for their children, um, that that the dignity of the human person does not stop once the child comes outside of the womb, and it never stopped for the mother no matter what circumstance she was in uh, when she got pregnant, she still has human dignity and needs our support uh, before, during, and after. Yeah. In my parish, we've got a big crib in the back of our church right when everybody walks in that you could drop off all kinds of supplies and people know how to get them to people. And we want anybody in our neighborhood to know that if something happens, 
and they're in trouble and they don't know what to do in regard to an unplanned pregnancy, that they can come to the church and the church will say, listen, we got you covered. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Take whatever fears you have about money and the rest of it out of the equation yep. because we'll, we'll take care we of the diapers sure. and the car seat and the stroller and all those other things. And, it's, and that's just scratching the surface of the needs that a new family has. Yeah. Um, but we all know um, that even normal circumstances, childbearing and childrearing is difficult. So imagine mm-hmm. – how important it is to support those yeah. in crisis situations. With every woman for every child. There you go. Got it. You'll have that memorized by Friday. Amen. We're back after this. It's a quarter till. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. I come from a family of 16. Ryan, Michael, Levi, Caleb, Noah, Titus, Timothy, Josiah, Elijah, Becca, Emma, Bethany, Hannah, Grace, Ruth, Christiana. I was really encouraged when I was listening to uh, your radio station, and I just think everything you were saying was absolutely true, and I just thought I should call in and let you know that, and that there's still hope out there. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, call with your questions. We've got answers. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Thirteen till, here's Anna with headlines. The central U.S. is bracing for more bitter cold. The Pope has changed rules on extraordinary expenses at dicasteries. And former President Trump still enjoys broad support from evangelicals, according to Iowa polls. It's 14 till. Father Robert Nixon joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a Benedictine at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We've been going through St. Albert the Great's The Paradise of the Soul. Father, welcome back. Thank you, Annie. It's great to be with you today. It is great to have you. And today we are going to get St. Albert's teaching on the virtue 
of chastity. And just like Jesus does not let us get away with just the minimum requirements for being chaste, tell us how he describes the virtue of chastity. So he talks about perfect chastity as not only restraining the body from acts of purity, but even to keep the soul free from lustful desires. So it's something which goes deep into the heart, into our, our thoughts, our orientations, the movements of our soul. So it's a, a, he talks about embracing charity is to embrace a kind of purity of heart. And so then what are the fruits of chastity, does he say? He talks about one of the fruits as being liberty of soul. And I think this is something which we can easily recognize, um, you know, in our observances of human nature, that it's often lust which actually entraps people into, into behavior, into situations, into actions, which really undermine their own happy, unhappiness. Um, and so through the cultivation of chastity, there's this great freedom of, of the soul being um, truly master of its own actions rather than being controlled by the impulses of the flesh. And he encourages us to desire this, not just, I mean, we've talked about this in, in previous chapters, that our desire for chastity should not simply be because, well, I just want to get to heaven someday, and so I got to do this to get to heaven. Yeah, but he, he speaks about it as being an emulation of the life of Jesus Christ himself, and also an emulation of the purity of the Blessed Virgin. And of course, he was speaking, he was primarily writing this book for people in religious life, to whom that model of virginity um, was particularly pertinent. But I think it applies to everyone in some way or the other, that the reason why saints are able to attain this great purity, this freedom of soul, um, is because they cultivate, they've mastered this chastity. They're not dominated by the lower impulses of their nature. And of course, with St. Albert being in religious life, um, was, I'm sure, very familiar with practical ways to to foster Absolutely. chastity. So can so you talk about he that? Gives some, yeah, he gives some wonderful advice. And I think even though it's written in the Middle Ages, it's actually still very true um, today. He speaks about moderate and sparing consumption of food, and a little later also speaks about moderate consumption of alcohol. So um, these things, what we put into ourselves, I think really affect our behavior. And in the Middle Ages, they believed that if you ate a lot of red meat, if you ate a lot of rich food and so forth, um, it would incline you towards lust. And even though huh. we probably think, well, it's not really true. I think there is actually still a degree of truth in it yeah. that um, overeating, overdrinking certainly lead to a lot of bad human behavior. He also speaks about wearing simple clothing. In other words, dressing modestly. And I think that's so important that people should respect themselves and dress worthy of their dignity. Never dress in a way which is designed to make them um, an object of, of desire, of, of lustful desire to others. He speaks about avoiding um, places and situations in which we know there is immodesty, in which we know that lustful desires are likely to be inflamed. 
And I think this is such a, a wise piece of advice. If we know that we're in a particular situation, in particular company, in particular actions where we're likely, where our thoughts are likely to get out of our control, then to avoid those situations, to be prudent about the situations in life in which we put ourselves. Yeah, avoid the near occasion of sin. It's so interesting, this, to to yeah. limit eating and drinking. But when, when you really think yeah. about it, and maybe you can expand on this, but if you're able yeah. to control yourself in other ways or to the to to look at it the opposite if you're willing to indulge then then you're more likely to give yourself a pass in other ways that's 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 exactly right because the um impulses of the flesh the more we um feed them the more we gratify them um the more powerful they become and if a person isn't able to control themselves to say you know, no to a dessert or no to an extra drink or whatever like that, they're going to be ill-equipped to um, say no when a more serious temptation comes along. So this deliberate practice of self-denial, and this self-denial isn't a negative thing, but it's putting our mind and our soul in control of our body, which is the way it's really supposed to be. He also talks us uh, about being careful about company that we should never assume that anyone, a man or a woman, as the case may be, um, we should never assume that our interactions with them or that their intentions are um, completely free of lustful impulses. And, uh, you know, um, this doesn't mean we have to be, like, suspicious of everyone, but at the same time, he talks about avoiding, um, you know, situations where we know that there might be occasions for for lust and so forth. And I think that really applies um, today in all kinds of situations. And certainly applies particularly for priests involved in pastoral ministry, where we have to, um, you know, be aware of complexities of human relationships that are going on all the time. Yeah, he cites St. Gregory saying, the person who has been conquered by love of earthly things finds no delight in God. And then St. Albert goes on to say, for the human soul is never able to be without some desire or source of delight. We can either love those things which are lower or those which are higher. The more the heart aspires to the higher realities, the more detached it becomes from the lower things. And conversely, the more it burns with desire for earthly things, the more tepid and feeble grow its aspirations for celestial delights. It cannot love both things of the earth and the things of heaven in an equal manner at the same time. And so, Father, how does St. Albert go on to to show, um, well, go on to pray for the virtue of chastity? So in praying for the virtue of chastity. He says, Lord, subdue in me all the wicked and disordered impulses of the senses. Cleanse my heart from self-will and from every impure thought. Grant to me a heart which is clean, pure, and enamored with your own spirit of chastity, by means of which I shall be able to preserve my body and soul from all stain of corruption. And I think this is that if our love is focused on Jesus on God, on eternity, then earthly things, things of the flesh become only secondary. 
Well, thank you so much, Father Robert Nixon. You can find The Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great, translated by Father Nixon, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. That'll do it for this Wednesday edition, at least nationally speaking, of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll look forward to talking to you again tomorrow on EWTN. Another hour coming up for our local audience and anyone listening on the Sunrise Morning Show app. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.